What's up, guys? I am Caleb Giddings. And I'm Keith Finch. Jack is dead. Um, he we, was we have temporarily killed him. We're waiting for respawn. Well, he was I what I heard was he was drowned by a goth girl spitting into his mouth, which is, you know, he died as he lived. Um I I do wish him well in his transition to the afterlife in that glorious manner, and I will toast him at his funeral pyre. <laughs> Yep. All right. So, uh, sponsors, we're going to do that. Ta-da! And so now we can get down to business uh, to talk about the thing that actually happened that was a meme for forever, right? Like, how long... Okay, so, hang on. Rewind. (laughs) Pictures were leaked of what? Just you tell them, because I, I don't... I can't. You tell them. Tell the internet. (laughs) So one of the classic memes of the internet, the Glock is making a rifle, has finally come true. Glock, in fact, made a rifle. And if we look at things like patents and whatnot like that, Glock has had patents for their rifle design submitted for a while. They're real. You can find them. You can look them up. But just because you put something in patent doesn't mean you're going to turn that into a commercial product. However, uh, this week, Glock, in fact, did that uh, by submitting a Glock carbine, the GR-115, into trials for a contract. And everyone's like, what? Glock made a rifle? Yeah, you you ask a gun company to make a thing, and sometimes they make it. Yeah, which uh, there's one thing that's interesting to me about that is the way Glock does model numbers, right? So on the Glock 17... It was the Glock 17 because it was Gaston's 17th patent, right? Yeah. Like, you know, no one patents like Gaston. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. If I really hope somebody else laughs at that joke. Uh, but so here's what's interesting. Ladies so, and gentlemen of the comments, take that away. No if, one patents like Gaston. Yeah. <laughs> if... Uh, so we've got it. So if it's a so I wonder if they kept to the naming convention, right? Like, and this is like the the full rifle is like model 115, you know, the 115th iteration of things. But what's interesting to me about this is I mean, okay, well, let's let, let's get speculative here. What are the odds that we think that will ever actually make it to America? Because I'm gonna go with fucking zero. I'd I'd give it better odds than that. I'd give it closer to one in four, one in five. It's going to depend because they, they aren't the only company that's done this where information for a thing that is not for America gets given to America and America's like, oh, we want that. And uh, no one profits like Gaston, just like <laughs> no one patents like Gaston. So... Um, there could, in fact, be a super late to the game Glock carbine that enters the market at some point. My biggest question, um, and it is very prevalent on whether or not this hits the U.S. market, is what price point are they placing this rifle at? Are they demanding H&K money or are they demanding, you know, BCM money? Because if this thing comes in at the price of like a BCM with a floated MCMR rail uh, in that middle to low 15, 14, 13 range, 
they could easily enter the market and then people who like Glock, who also want another AR-15, could easily pick up the rifle. But if this is going to be a $3,500 rifle, um, yeah, they're not going to move many of them. Well, they're going to move any of them. Well, they'll move some. They will move They, they will always move some. There's always yeah. going to be someone. But so the question is, 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 the question is, is, will this rifle run into the same roadblocks getting into the States that the MR556 ran into, right? Because, or, you know, whatever it's actually called. The, yeah, the, um, like the HK. The HK416. Yeah, so, the, it's the HK416, but they they made a deliberate commercial model, but that's coming out of Germany, and I don't think we have the same problem importing out of Austria. Austrians and Germans are basically the same people, all right? They, they, they're into the same stuff. Yeah. Uh, and, but, you know, like, like, exterminating like, ethnic like, minorities. Uh, like and, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things... You know, <laughs> Well, okay, <laughs> that, that was early in the podcast for me to go there. I was like, like I, I just started with it, and I'm all, ah, here we go. Um, interestingly, I was not thinking of the, the one guy. I was thinking of Red Bull Racing. But anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, so, but here's the thing. I, I assume that the export laws for Austria are similar to Germany's. I don't know. I have no reason for assuming that uh, other than... I, I assume the opposite just because of how long and how simple we've gotten the various Glock models, even through the upgrades and iterations, which always tend to cause a problem in Germany. When something changes and it becomes, ooh, might be military, it, seem, it seems to get problematic again. And... Sure. That tends to be more for rifles than it is for handguns, but we still seem to have a problem with H&K handguns, getting them from Germany. Um, but now that they have U.S. Uh, domestic manufacturing and import, it's gotten a little easier. But still, getting the guns out of Germany and into the States has always seemed to be the trouble. And it has never seemed to be that trouble for Glock. However, with that caveat, We've never seen Glock try and do a rifle. Right. And I will say this. I'm going to give, you know. And a very clearly military rifle. Right. Like all, the, all the Euro laws that get, get spicy about things in military calibers and with military features and military contracts would absolutely kick in on a rifle, on a carbine like this. Because the one the one that's floating around the internet right now, guys, I think is for the British military special operations trials. Mm -hmm. It's competing in that because it has all the features of that request. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure that's that's in London right now. I don't know. I haven't read that for sure, but I'm pretty sure uh, that's kicking around in the UK. Now, what's interesting about um, this and the odds of whether or not that will actually show up in the States is... Unlike HK, when they started to, you know, make the 416 and all of that, Glock has robust U.S. production facilities, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like they've got like a little teensy tiny factory where they put three things together. They have a full on factory here in the States and their capabilities there are 
basically the same as their capabilities anywhere else. So it would and for, feel- and for all we know, part of that rifle is built here in the states because of that manufacturing capability. Yeah. They may have, as several other uh, manufacturers have placed parts where it makes the most sense to build them because the machines are there and they're available. Which would be hilarious if the British special operations community bought an Austrian rifle that was made in America. I don't know made why. In <laughs> that, yeah, like maybe they thought it was the other Georgia. They were, you know, the one in Europe. They're like, oh, it's yeah. a nice European rifle. Nope, made in Smyrna, Georgia. That'd be, I, I, would, I would deeply enjoy that. I just, I don't know. Like, it's one of those things where this was for for people who are new to this. And, you know, obviously we have had a lot of people enter the gun community in the last couple of years. You have no idea what a meme the Glock carbine was. Like, it was every every year, every single year, and usually twice a year. Usually there was a iteration at SHOT Show, like, this is the year, the Glock carbine. And then there was usually a smaller one around uh, NRAM where it's like, yeah, no, no, they didn't release it at shot. Maybe it'll be at NRA. When I remember the Glock Harbin originally was a PCC, right? Because yeah. when, when the, the meme first began, it was theorized to be a nine mil or 40 carbine that took Glock mags like that. And that was back in the... 90s when if you guys you know again you're just entering the space in the late 90s and early 2000s pccs were hot like oh, yeah. right before and like up into the early global war on terror pccs were still the hotness the m4 had not taken over the world yet and there was an idea of revitalizing the the whole like cowboys carrying a carbine that took the same round as their revolver. There was an idea of revitalizing that for law enforcement and uh, many companies got in on it. That that got a lot of momentum. Beretta, one of Beretta's best looking firearms oh, is God, in that CX4 category. looks so I goddamn good. It looks so good. The CX-4 is the prettiest gun. It's honestly, it is the prettiest PCC ever made. Like no question. Mm-hmm. It's the It's just, and it looks even better uh with an SBR version in a big old stick mag coming out. Uh-huh. Then it looks fucking gnarly because it still has all of those swoopy sci-fi lines. Did you know? Uh here's a fun bit of Beretta lore. They made a full auto version of the CX4. I believe I have seen that and I want that in my I, hands to play oh with God. with just cases of ammunition forever. It because, would be it w- oh my and apparently and I, I apparently the they sold a pissload of them to like the Azerbaijani military or the army, one of those like a countries that's over in Eastern Europe, because that country didn't want to give their border guards like real guns, but like a nine mil like buzz they, gun. They needed a, a gun that was a little more gun, but they didn't want to give them it in a rifle caliber, right. which is so a very like, European thing. They have this really thing is. about like as soon as it becomes a military caliber its power level just breaks over 9,000 and like now you can't be trusted with the the general folk or the peacekeepers with this caliber made for war. When you have to remember, this is a continent that routinely issued 32 ACP and 380 ACP as a service pistol cartridge. Yeah. So, you know, their ideas of, and, you know, the famous Ian Fleming line, 
that the 32 has a delivery like a brick through a plate glass window. You know, this, this these are people to whom stopping power is not like, it doesn't have the mythos over there that it has in the land of the big bore revolver, which mm-hmm. like, we do a whole episode on that. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, so like the Glock carbine, it was supposed to be, and, you know, started off and all the rumors were like, oh, they're going to do a PCC. It's going to accept Glock mags and have like, you know, common barrels or some other shit. And then you saw some chassis that were done up like that where you could take your Glock and you could put in like a 16 inch Glock barrel and then like click it into a chassis and then make your, your Glock into a carbine. There, um, there was a fairly robust aftermarket of, of chassis like that where your trigger mm-hmm. module would go in and then it would operate a basically fixed blowback uh, recoil system what with was, a fixed barrel. God, what was the one that looked like? I mean, it literally just looked like a tube. And yeah, it, it looked like a stem gun just at Glock frame. Carbine conversion. I mean, like, you guys got to understand, this was way before the days of the micro. Oh, MechTech! Yes. And because, so, all right, this was way before the days, guys, of the friggin' micro bronies. All right. The OG MechTech, which, by the way, their website is, it's a website. Um, it certainly is. The, so I'm on it right now. The OG MechTech was originally designed for a 1911. Mm-hmm. Do you, I, oh, man. And you would take your 1911 and you would shoehorn it into this tube. And then you would now, have... Now you had a direct blowback carbine conversion. Now, did uh, was this oak tube originally designed for people who had modded their 1911s to make them full auto? No, of course it wasn't. That would be crimes. Um, <laughs> also, guys, uh, just as like a fun aside, the 1911 is probably the easiest gun to modify to make full auto, just like of like modern production firearms. And no, I'm not going to tell you how. But it's not hard. It's not super difficult to make that gun a machine, an extremely unreliable machine gun. Um, uh, oh, you, oh, you mean a burstomatic? It goes rip, and you're like, well, that was eight rounds. Um, you sit there. You don't fire in bursts. You fire a runaway gun, which yeah, is that's usually back at let a quick aside here when whenever i got into this conversation in a gun store and everything and after giving all the disclaimers about like you can't do this unless you're an 0702 and producing a machine gun with a serial number that the atf knows is a machine gun um what you're proposing doing sir with your just well if we just file this down a little bit you're not proposing to make a machine gun in the safe sense you're proposing to make a runaway gun that no longer works and you hope is just going to keep throwing bullets in the correct direction yeah you, you just want a gun that runs away you don't want a machine gun machine guns have parts to regulate how that whole cycle goes just really fast a runaway gun means you have broken apart and now it just goes the burr and you hang on for dear life. Yes. Yeah, that is actually an important thing. And I please, please don't, I don't want anybody to think that we're saying you should modify your 1911s to make them full auto. That is, if you, interestingly, uh, if you do it intentionally, it's a crime. Mm-hmm. If you have a 1911 that you give to a shitty gunsmith 
and they try to do an action job on it. And then one day you close the slide and the hammer follows and the gun goes while you're holding it. That's not a crime. It's just scary. And I needed to change my pants. Um, I also got rid of that gun. Like I was like, I don't, I don't want this smoke from this thing ever again. So anyway, but it's back to also the really fun when it happens in a 308 in an uh, AR-10 platform and you pull the trigger expecting it to go the bang and it does. And then you release the trigger and then it goes the bang, 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 bang. Oh, have you seen that video of the guy who is dual wielding the M249s and the pistol grip falls off one of them? Yeah. Uh, and so if you guys don't know how a 249 works, the sear and the disconnector is in the pistol grip. So if the pistol grip falls off, the gun just keeps shooting. Like yeah. it just the gun will keep working without it. There are just none of the parts in it that make it stop anymore. Yeah. That one is just a bolt carrier doing its thing. That one puckered up my butthole real good. And to his credit, he had the presence of mind to grab the carry handle and break that belt off. But good lord. I was like, woof. Um so the moral of that story is full auto is really fun when it's full auto on purpose. Uh -huh. Full auto on accident can be genuinely terrifying and also pretty dangerous, uh, which the last we'll talk about this is I get this question a lot um, about heavy revolver doubling. And it's the closest you'll ever see to a revolver going full auto. And you guys have probably seen, there's videos that go around the internet where some guy will have, or girl will have like a 454 Casual or, you know, a 500 mag or a 460, one of the big turbo Magnum cartridges, right? And they cock the hammer back, they pull the trigger, the gun goes off, it's pointing up towards the ceiling or, you know, their face or something. And then it goes off again. And it's, it's called doubling. A woman actually died because of that. Uh, because it when it went off the second time, it was pointed at her face, and a 454 Casual to the nose is not survivable, as it turns out. Um, oh, so really? what happened? Uh, what 250 grains of lead entering your skull in this direction at Mock Jesus? Yeah, uh, -huh. uh, yeah. So, what happens with that, and what causes doubling? And if you're watching the the uh visual version of this, you can kind of sort of see it, but what causes it is. It's a combination of inexperience and poor grip and heavy recoil. So these guys are not holding on to the gun in a way that is mechanically conducive to mitigating recoil, but they're death gripping it. So when it goes off, the recoil blasts it backwards into their hand. Their trigger, their trigger finger releases the trigger, but they're still death gripping it with all five of their fingers. So the gun has moved within the meat of their hand enough to reset, and then their death grip just crushes that trigger again, causing the gun to go off. You've it's essentially something like a, bump fired a revolver through yeah, a terrible grip. It's like a 0. 0.12 split or some nutso's number, and it kills people and fucks up ceilings. So the uh, the moral of this story is if you want to give someone a high caliber revolver for them to shoot one round or or have the revolver be a single same, action Same revolver. thing with the yeah. crazy large caliber autos like Desert Eagle 2. Don't full mag that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Desert Eagles, all of this stuff. Like be be cool, guys. Be cool. Start one round. One. one round. All right. One so round. Glock Carby. Uh, so we came through the dark days of the mech techs and, uh, you know, then we kind of hit the, like, everybody was making a gun that took Glock mags. I yeah. think probably the most successful gun of that era 
And it's one of the three guns that I really think this company did a good job on was the Caltech Sub 2000. Yes. You know, they that was sold an incredibly successful carbine. It was innovative, it was inexpensive. And for the most part, they actually it worked because it was yeah. pretty darn simple. Yeah. I mean, the and they're and to their credit, they are still making them today and they're still a sales success today. I think probably your best option, you know, today for like what that Glock carbine, what we all thought it was going to be, was a carbine that takes Glock mags. Probably your best, like off the shelf, I want to go buy it. No, it's going to run. It's going to be the Ruger PC. Uh, yeah. that takes when put the Glock mag adapter on it and just be happy with your life. Um, and then at some point people started speculating, would Glock ever make an AR-15? And that was probably around when, you know, the huge AR-15 boom happened, like 20, what, 12-ish yeah, when, when everybody? Yeah, when, when uh, about the point when Colt was saying we're getting out of the AR-15 game, then it became too profitable and they came back into the AR-15 game. There was peak speculation then, too, that Glock, of all the people who were one-trick ponies, Glock was definitely the one-trick gun manufacturer. But the speculation kind of peaked at that point that they might do a 5.56 rifle of some sort. Not necessarily a, a you know one-to-one -one clone of an AR-15, um, but enter the 5.56 rifle game, which is very different than what Glock mm -hmm. does because they're usually, you know, lock-breached pistols, which even if they got into PCCs, they wouldn't be venturing that much away from the, the space they're already known for if they came up with a simple blowback PCC-type design. But, you know, high-pressure rifle cartridges in 5.56 and 300 Black and all that that just wasn't a realm they had ever been like they were the they were going to be the last ones to enter that space because it just wasn't their space it was everyone else's space yeah K's and fn's well and then also you know a lot of us were very skeptical that they could even let you know and then as time went on it was like okay now it's too late to enter this space right yeah you know and i still think it may be too late for them to enter the space on the commercial side, caveating, you know, again, if it's going to be like a $3,500 rifle, don't just don't, don't even bother. Right. Don't, don't try to, I don't need, don't try to sell me a $3,500. And, and there's also, and we're not even tackling issues like production scaling or, or no. anything like that, where if they've identified enough of a market for limited release of their their guns and they kind of make it a huntable item and everything like that there are ways that glock can make a little bit of money on that by making this a scarce but available item but to go full bore production to make the glock carbine that gr115 into the same thing that the glock 17 is for handguns is not going to happen. It's you, you can't do it unless this thing comes in at a retail price of like nine hundred dollars. Well, and they can't do it anyway because the AR fifteen already is what the Glock seventeen is. You know, yeah. and it's and the and Glock they just be one one maker on the market and one of the latest ones. Like how many how many guys do you know? that have their AR-15 and then their backup AR-15 and then a third one that's kind of their project or, you know, precision or whatever little specialty AR-15 they've got now. Like the AR-15 market is 
super saturated. It's nuts. And while we and while we have people entering the gun sphere and they're getting inundated with the idea that like you should have a good rifle and you should have a good handgun and they're picking these things up new. Uh, there's no way to enter the market and be like the AR-15 to go to anymore. That ship mm-hmm. has sailed. Yeah. So, and on that note, because that ship has sailed, everything that we're talking about is speculation because we've never gotten any hands on these guns. So, you know what I think it's time to do? I think it's time to pick some winners. Uh, yes. It's time to pick, and I'm doing this. Uh, so I had a couple in mind. So if you guys don't remember, we're going to pick the winners of the uh, slide milling certificates and we'll get those out in, and then I will contact you by replying to your comment on the official account. And you'll have to then email me so I can, you know, I'm not going to ask you to uh, post your email address on the internet. Um, no, that but, tends to, no. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, that's never a grand idea. All right. Where was the one? All right. So again, I appreciate everybody who said like a three, uh, a six or seven shot, 327 small frame revolver. You're pandering to the judges. I see you doing it, and I appreciate it. Uh, however, uh, Eli F. wins uh, one of the certificates because I want this gun. Uh, I, 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 I want this gun, and this is a gun that could actually exist. But he says, ever since I learned of the cartridge, I want a 1022 chambered and 5.7 by 28. This could happen. You know what? Ruger could do this. They have the five seven gun that they make already, so they already make mags. And and they have they have already done a center fire version of this gun before. They already have. Really? I believe. Yes, but now my confidence is less. There was a rotary magazine that I'm pretty sure was a center because I kept getting asked about it and whether it was back when straight wall cartridges started coming back into hunting circles and you could get like a 357 or a 44. But I think that Ruger did a rotary mag version of a center fire, but it was a revolver cartridge and it was the 1022 frame. Oh, they did. So okay, I so am yeah. very sure. That's the that Ruger Deerfield carbine. It was a 44 mag. Yes. Uh, and they did it with that rotary mag, and it was basically a beefed up 1022 to take 44 Magnum. So, yeah, look, Ruger could they make could this absolutely gun. do there's, a 5.7. <laughs> yeah, there's no question in my mind that they could do a 1022 chambered in 5.7, which is why Eli F wins uh, one of our first certificates. And then the other guy. They could do it in the PC line, man. That oh, I know. Awesome. They, yeah, oh, I know. They, they they could do they could do a lot of cool stuff and and Ruger would kind of be the company to do that right because yeah. they like to throw crazy things at the wall and see what sticks I know another company that likes to throw crazy things at the wall and see what sticks but you know we don't do rifles right now um, da 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 there's no way that's going to happen no no again with the pandering uh, this guy I I almost okay this guy's going to get an honorable mention. Um, Andrew Cole Glazier uh, wants to see a PCC chambered in 762 by 25, aka 762 Tokarev. I knew a guy who built one of those. That gun was cool. Uh, that would be like that would be a cool cartridge in the same way that four six guns and five seven guns. Like that would be very cool, and especially because of the Tokarev ammo. Um, 
it'd, it'd be a neat one to add in. Plus, right. plus you could you could get into some of the Soviet burp guns. And those are fun. So, and then our next winner uh, is we're going to go to uh nimitz 12 here it is and i already did reply to this comment but i'm gonna reply to it again to let him know also congratulations you win you win so and here's why this is cool modular firearms here's his comment modular firearms seem to be the future why not a modular revolver where you can exchange not only barrels like the old dan wessons but also cylinders for similar calibers a la 44 special 45 cold 38 357 and 10 mil throw in factory rds cuts with proper height size and a plate if you don't blah 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 all right so basically he wants a revolver where the frame is the chassis right and that's your serialized part and then you you know pop off the cylinder and you pop on a nine mil cylinder and then you pop in, you know, a nine mil barrel and you're good to go. And here's the thing. That's not impossible. The problem is you have, you have two problems. You would need to design a barrel release and mounting system. That's so for those who don't know, the Dan Wessons back in the day had interchangeable barrels, but only for one caliber. And that's because the forcing cone had to be fixed to the frame, right? And that's what, if you don't know what the forcing cone is, it's what makes the bullet go into the barrel, basically, right? Think of it as bullet funnel. Um, it's a really, I know some like 75-year-old gunsmith like Brent Cunningham's going to be mad that I described no, it's as not a funnel. funnel. Suck my dick, all right? So anyway... It's a layman's term, guys. We're talking to the internet. We need to put it in terms that the internet can be like, I know what a funnel is. So what you would need to do is you would need to design like a QD system almost for the forcing cone where you could release it from the frame and replace it with an appropriately calibered forcing cone. Because right now we have seen, we've seen multi-caliber revolvers. Uh, there's a Taurus makes one that comes with a 357 cylinder or a nine mil cylinder, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to like play with like bullet uh, diameters a little bit with nine mils to get it to be super accurate, but that's fine. And we've seen multi-barrel revolvers like from Dan Weston and stuff like that. So it is possible. Your issue would be the forcing code. I think you could do it within a, I think right now with the technology that we know exists, you could do it with a, within a range, right? You could make a revolver that shoots nine mil, 38 super, 38 special, 357, all of these sort of 38 ish caliber rounds because one forcing cone would work for the bulk of those. And then you could put on an appropriate barrel for the round or something like that. Mm -hmm. So you could do it within that. Similarly, you could do like, you might be able to do like a 10 mil 41 magnum kind of deal. Um, the, the problem is, is so this guy wins because this actually made me think about whether or not that was even feasible given today's technology. And the only thing that you would have to do is figure out a way to make the forcing cone not permanently affixed to the frame. So, you know, boy, if only somebody worked for a company that made revolvers. Hmm. All right, guys, I'm, I'm going to throw that guy a little bit of, of caution too. Um, but kudos because it mirrors a lot of the build a kit guns that we're seeing as mm -hmm. block clones right now. So that's that for revolvers. And it feels very like almost achievable. Yeah. It's like I that science fiction that, you know, that like, hey, in two years, that's probably a thing. I would, and I, I, and I love that idea, right? Because like, I would love to be able to like buy a frame 
and I've got my cylinder, my, 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 uh, serialized part. And then I go out and I decide which spring weights I want for the action and stuff like the way Ruger does there, they, it would actually really make sense because they are the trigger pack is like one piece, right? It's pre-assembled. So you could make that the serialized part and then you got your springs and that's all pre-assembled and stuff like that. So you could do something like that. It's very you're, interesting. You're essentially like 320-ing a wheel gun. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I really like this idea. This idea makes my, my pants tingle. So, all right. And on the notion of my pants tingling, we are going to end this episode. Thank you, everybody, for liking, sharing, subscribing. Make sure that you uh, keep sharing this show with your friends, family, and people that you've kidnapped in your tractor trailers. See you next week. <laughs>